Hello, this is the Fellow Cast, and we are back with our Bring Your Own Bible series today, in which we are on our final installment of the book of Numbers. It's part four, I, uh, if I can remember correctly, part four of Numbers. And we ended last week with the death of Aaron, right, Garth? Yes. So where are you taking us today? Um, sure, we're going to quickly touch on the story of the bronze snake. Okay. Because... Um, it's not a very long story, but to me, it's one of the most beautiful pictures of the cross of Jesus. Mm, in mm. fact, way back in the day, um, in Zapzone with our kids' ministry at one stage, we asked the lady to paint some pictures for us of the books of the Bible. Yeah. And when it came to the book of Numbers, uh, we had right in the center of it this picture of the bronze snake. Sure. And um, it's because uh, the, the way that she painted it, it's in the form of a cross with a snake draped over the pole. Yes. And um, it's actually uh, not because of Jesus, but it's the similar sign that's used in the medic medicine profession. That's right, Isn't yes, that? yeah. Um, but it's such a powerful picture for us. Um, it says they, they complained against the Lord. At one stage, fire broke out in the camp and whatever else. And then at one stage, snakes came in, venomous snakes, and bit the people. Um, and many of them died. And so they cried out to the Lord, and Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord says, make a bronze snake, put it on a pole, and if the people look at it, mm. they will not die. <laughs> so it's just such a powerful picture for me if you consider that the snake bit you and me, Valdu. Yeah. Sin came into our lives, and in the end, for some people shorter, for others later, but eventually it kills you. Yes. Uh, it's going to take your eternal life away, yeah. and even maybe your physical life here on the earth. Some sins leads to that even, you know. Yeah. Um, but Jesus took all the venom on himself on the cross. And if we keep our eyes on him, the venom in us is made of no effect because it's on him. He died on the cross. It's just a powerful picture. It is a beautiful picture. Yeah. I always find those, like sometimes those kinds of events, are. it seems really arbitrary. Like it seems yes. really weird. Why would God choose that? But just the way you explain it, it, it simplifies it. It makes it very clear actually. Yeah. The, the snake in the garden is yes. nailed to the cross in Jesus wow. in that form. Oh, on him, the sin is placed on him. But then let's jump into the, the last big story of the book of Numbers. Mm. And it's the most fascinating one. It's about to get a bit weirder than a snake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but in a good Yet way. another animal, not a reptile. Yes. Um, so Israel then has this major battle um, on the plains of Moab, and they take a piece of ground, and that piece of ground will then belong to the Israelites um, even after this, right mm. into the time of uh, David and later. It's the first piece of land, land that they would lose mm. during the monarchy. Um, the, the Transjordan tribes would settle there, two of the tribes. But while they're then on this plain, this is not the promised land that the Lord told them about. Uh, but suddenly they've got a piece of territory and they settle down there for a while. And then the Moabites and the Midianites look at these people and say, man, they've come to take over what belongs to us. Mm. And they want to go and make war against them. But they are actually spiritually quite wise. They're cunning. They realize you've got to take on the battle in the spirit first because we can do it in the f before we can do it in the physical. Mm. And so they send off to a guy called Balaam, and this guy stays close to the uh, Euphrates River. So it's quite a distance to travel. If you go and check it up on a map from Moab up to the Euphrates River in the north, 
it's quite a distance. It's right over Syria. Sure. Um, to go and ask a guy, will you come down here and place a curse on these people so that we can beat them in war? Yeah. Isn't it incredible how much they they treasure they understood of the that spiritual, curse? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that they think, yeah, this is how it's going to happen. Otherwise, we won't be able to take them on. Mm. And um, then also take note that the people who go up to go and call Balaam, they sent with a, a, the prize for divination. He's paid to come and do this. Okay. So they value his spiritual gift, his yeah. sorcery. And the people who take it are the elders of Moab and Midian. So it's quite a group of people, it would seem, and it's important people. Yeah, it's not it's just wealth. anyone. Yes. It's going to come into play just now. And so they get there to Balaam, and um, they say to him, please come down. These people have settled down. They've come from Egypt, and uh, they're on our plains, and they're going to swallow up the land. We've mm. we got to make war, bring a curse on them. And Balaam makes this very interesting statement. He says, stay here the night. And I will pray and ask the Lord whether I must go or not. And then in the morning, I will tell you what he says. And it's very interesting that he uses the name the Lord. Yeah. And it seems throughout the story that he knows the true God and he hears his voice. But wait, he's a sorcerer. Hmm. Hey? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening over here? All right. And he's paid to bring curses on people, yeah. which is not God's job. Yeah. Hey? It's a different Lord he's listening to. Yeah, what's happening over there? Um, but then he says in the morning, no, sorry, I cannot go. The Lord says, don't go. And the Lord's words is actually written down for us. Um, it says, do not go with them. Uh, chapter 22, verse 12. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. Hmm. And Volu, I would say this is God, truly God speaking, speaking to him. Yeah. Um, so they go back. And they tell, they tell Balak, the Moabite king, sorry, he's not coming. Then he sends him another message. He says, listen, don't let anything stop you from coming to me because I am well able to pay you anything that you want to come and do this. Mm. I mean, this guy is willing to throw treasures at this sorcerer yeah. for, for this curse. And interesting, for all of this waiting, he's not moving into war yet. He's not willing to go into war until um, the curse until is spoken. It, yeah. And um, then they come and they again tell him, listen, uh, we can give you everything wha you want. And, what. And, and then he says, but listen, even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not come because the Lord has told me no. He's willing to be obedient to God. Mm. And then he says, but wait the night. I'll ask the Lord again. And the next morning he comes back to the answer from the Lord and it says, the Lord said to him, since they came to you the second time, go with them, but only say the words that I put into your mouth. Hmm. All right. And off he goes the next day. He's driving on his donkey with all these important officials with him. And suddenly his donkey veers off the road. And uh, he tries and get him back on now. The people are sort of waiting on the road, looking, where's Balaam off to? And he can't control his own donkey. And... Um, then eventually he's off in a vineyard and finally he comes um, in a very narrow place where the donkey cannot turn left or right and it's sort of squeezed in between his legs. Mm. Um, and he's beating his donkey. And by the third time that he beats his donkey, suddenly, without any explanation, 
the scripture comes to this part and it says, and the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and the donkey spoke to him. And uh, the donkey says, uh, verse 28, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? And Balaam answered the donkey. That's even more weird for me. <laughs> he's not jumping off this thing. He's not shocked. He's just answering the donkey, having a conversation with his donkey. He says, you have made me a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you here and now. And then the donkey says, but listen, have I ever done something like this to you? And he says, no. And suddenly the Lord opened up Balaam's eyes and right in front of the donkey stands an angel with a drawn sword. And the angel says to him, if this donkey had not veered off the road, I would have killed you already. Mm. This donkey just saved your life. And then he says to him, this journey that you are on is a perilous journey. You better go, but only speak what I'm saying. So somewhere there in Balaam's heart, even though he's obeying the Lord, he's after the money. Yeah. Later on in Scripture, we actually um, Balaam is quoted a few times in the New Testament. The name it says, "These people have followed the sin of Balaam, and then also uh, of Korah and Abihu." Um, and it says, particularly with Balaam in the Revelations, it says they after they they indulge in spiritual things for money, mm. and that's his heart, that's his desire. So even though the Lord sends him with his command, "Be obedient," the Lord knows Balaam could quite easily turn for money. Mm. He he wants it. And even though in the beginning he said, I'm, "Even if you give me all the silver and gold, I'm not coming." Yes. So there's a shift that happened. Something persuaded him. Yeah. Money mm. has this power, and Balaam, unfortunately, has not, it seems, overcome yeah. its, its greed yet. That's true. Yeah. Interesting encounter with a, the with a donkey. Before we go on, I, I really think there's more in this strange story um, than meets the eye. Yeah. I've, I've told my kids before the story of Balaam and said to them, listen, look at how you treat the dogs. You know, it sounds silly, but I honestly believe God loves animals. In the book of Nineveh is one of those interesting quotes where it says God's really concerned for the people of Nineveh and for the animals. Mm. He doesn't want to destroy them. Um, so I, I taught my kids in this way and tell yeah. them, listen, if this dog, if God would open up this dog's mouth today, what would he say? Yeah. What would, he say? Sure. would he say, why are you so rude to me? Why are you making fun of me? Mm. You know? Why are you teasing me? Yeah. Um, whatever else. <laughs> I must say, when you, uh, I had a bit of a, I try, I'm trying to keep my chuckle away, but all I can think about is that song. <laughs> it must have come from this story. Then you think, if only a donkey yeah. would speak to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting in the book of Proverbs, at one stage there's a proverb that says, um, uh, the something about the way that a fool treats his animal mm. is only cruel. A fool is cruel to his animals. So scripture has a lot to say about this, you know, that God would open up his mouth, yes, to mm. speak to him and uh, actually rebuke him and say, you're being unfair to me, Yeah, you know. 
Um, yeah. It's very interesting when you, <laughs> when you look at it that way. Yeah. So the story goes on then. He does climb back on the road and he comes finally to Barlock and Barlock is, is angry at him. Mm. He says, listen, why have you kept me waiting so long? Don't you believe that I'm able to pay you whatever you want? And uh, to which Balaam just says, man, I'm here now. So what do you want me to do? Mm. So they go up then on a hill and from this hill, Balak specifically chose it because from this hill you can look down on the plain where all of Israel is stretched out as much uh, as plentiful. It just covers the entire the plain. And Balaam there says, um, prepare me seven sacrifices. I'll bring it here and then I'll speak whatever the Lord gave me to say. But he clearly tells Balaam, I'm only allowed to say what the Lord says. And then when he's opening his mouth, a blessing comes out. He just starts heaping blessing on the Israelites. Mm. Um, let me just read us. Uh, it's actually beautiful reading. So please, from verse t- chapter 23, go read those three chapters mm. filled with these um, blessings. Um, but just some interesting bits. In chapter 23, verse 9. From the rocky peaks, I see them. From the heights, I view them. I see people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations. Now, it's interesting just in the previous chapter, we saw that God brought snakes between the Israelites. And the chapter before that, there was fire. And there mm. was all sorts of other stuff. Um, but over here, it would seem the Israelites are in obedience to God. they loving the Lord and they're only doing God's will. Mm. And therefore, it's this whole lesson of a curse cannot land on them. Yeah. A curse and without a cause. What's that? That's also a proverb, I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, cannot, th- cannot stick. stick yeah. yeah. Cannot stand. yeah. Remember in um, in on the spot, mm-hmm. uh, uh, is it three weeks ago, two weeks ago, we looked at Psalm chapter uh, Psalm ninety ninety one. Ninety one. Yes. He abides in the shadow, and um, uh, we said about being in the shadow, you being close to God, and that's the safe place. Yes. So it's this time they're close to God. Yeah. And God cannot be cursed. Yeah. So you're all right. Sure. As long as you're there. You're like covered picture of the hen that jesus uses for jerusalem he mm. says oh jerusalem um how many times i wanted to take you like chicks under a hing's uh, wing wings yeah but you didn't want to come well then you're vulnerable mm. so at this stage they're safe they're safe and balak flips his lid he is furious he said i brought you out here i offer you money to curse these people and what do you do you go and bless them so he says, well, I can only say what the Lord gives me to say. And so Balak says, well, come to another hill. Let's try from the other side. <laughs> eh? God's going to change his mind from that perspective. Yes. <laughs> the guys on that side is not so safe. Yeah. So they go to another side. Again, they bring sacrifices. And then it says, verse 21, uh, in this blessing, he speaks out again. No misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery observed in Israel. The Lord, their God, is with them. The shout of the king is among them. How beautiful is that? Mm. Right? Yeah. It just amazes me. Like a sorcerer would be able to prophesy <laughs> the truth and the love and the word of God. Yes. Awesome how God turns the situation. Absolutely. He mm. just fills this man's mouth with truth. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, chapter 24, it's our third time. He says, man, maybe from another side. Let's try this side. All right. Um <laughs> And again, he starts speaking out blessings. Uh, Let me just read a verse or two. Water will flow from their buckets. Their seed will have abundant water. Their king will be greater than Agag, 
the kingdom will be exalted. Hey? God is just speaking out his will over this people. And then it says, after that, after Balak burned with anger, he struck his hands and he says, I summoned you to curse my enemies, but you have blessed them these three times. Now leave at once and go home. I said I would reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. To which Balak, Balaam answered, says, did I not tell you? I even told your messengers. I can only say what the Lord gives me to say. It says, but now I'm going to, um, to tell you what's going to come in the future, in days to come. And so he just sort of just, uh, you asked for uh, not much more, but here's some more. <laughs> and then he says, starts prophesying what's going to happen in the future. Now read verse 17 of chapter 24, um, Valdo, and tell mm. me what you see there. I see him, but not now. I perceive him, but not near. A star will come from Jacob. And a scepter will arise from Israel. He will smash the forehead of Moab and strike down all the Shethites. Yeah, the people of Sheth. Yeah. And Edom will become good and also. Um, and then he turns to, to Amalek in verse 20, the Kenites in verse 21. Um, he's just going to all of these people around them, all the mm. neighboring village uh, countries, and saying the Israelites will conquer them all. Mm. So this can speak to David, because in his days the Moabites finally were defeated. But I think it's even pointing further. Jesus. Yes. It looks like he's prophesying about Jesus. Yeah, here. absolutely. Yeah. Which then ends the story, but it's not the end. Mm. Because unfortunately, even though it seems here that Balaam was faithful to everything that he had to do, it says um, he afterwards uh, told the Moabites, okay, they're under a blessing because they're obeying God. So the only way to get them into a curse is to get them into disobedience. Mm. And so he tells the Moabites, send your young girls in to go and seduce their young men. And then they will turn away from God to the idols that the Moabites are worshipping. Mm. And so the Moabites followed that advice. The young girls were sent in. And shortly afterwards, there came a plague on the Israelites. And then God said to Moses, Go and bring revenge on the Moabites for what they did. Yeah. Because they seduced my people. They drew them away from me out of blessing into curse. Mm. And a massive battle was fought against the Moabites. And in that battle, you'll just find a, a quick line. And Balaam also died. Hmm. So it's sad. Yeah. He should have just left. Yeah. He should have just said, all right, Balak, you're not giving me a reward. It's fine. The Lord is my reward. I'm going back home. Hmm. But he stuck around. He gave them yeah, evil Some advice. Yeah. And they followed it because it was spiritual truth. Yeah. And it had a negative effect on the Israelites. But he paid with his life at the end of the sure. day. Hmm. That's rough for Balaam. Yeah, yeah. So just to sort of piece it together, you see the seduction in chapter 25. Um, then we go into that last census that we spoke about at the beginning of the book. Um, there's a funny story in chapter 27 about the Zelophad's uh, daughters. They didn't have a brother among them mm -hmm. uh, to inherit a piece of land. And so they asked, please, can we as women also inherit a piece of land? Because we just don't have males in yeah. our family and the law was given yes absolutely yeah. it's actually wonderful to see this yeah. is a different kind of nation from the others 
Um, and there's a couple of offering things. But then finally, in chapter 31, we see that battle then, the vengeance on the Midianites uh, and the dividing of all the spoil of that. And then the chapter 32 just speaks about those tribes that will settle down then on that side of the Jordan. Yeah. Um, and it closes off with just sort of tracking again the route that they've traveled over these 40 years to where they came to the plan of Moab. And um, finally, we'll see that Moses is going to pass away there in the plains of Moab. He went with God on top of a hill, and he got to see over the Jordan River, look at um, the promised land. And then it says, And Moses breathed his last, and God buried him there. And nobody could ever find these bones. Hmm. Why do you think not? Because he didn't die. No, I think because he was taken. they would have worshipped him. <laughs> yeah, well, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he did say, uh, because in, uh, in other times it says, um, uh, this guy, what was his name? Enosh, walked with God and then was no more. It sounds yeah. like he was taken up into heaven. Yeah. Or Jesus happened the same. But over here it specifically says, and God buried, buried him. him yeah, so he did pass away on this side yeah. of eternity. It's interesting that he appears with, with uh, Elijah yes. to Peter. And, and yeah. Jesus in the trans- transfiguration, right? Yeah. Or not to and Peter, Elijah to was one of those who just tracked up into heaven. Yeah. So that's why I think a lot uh, of the theory is about uh, behind Moses just maybe he didn't die. But yeah. again, wouldn't be different. God can still raise you from Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I've heard people say that um, they are the two, um, the two prophets that in will reappear in the book of Revelation. Yeah. And others again say maybe it's Enosh and Elijah. Yeah. Ah. Whatever. One day we'll find out. We'll but eventually. it's interesting stuff to yeah. to top with. That's true. <laughs> well, Garth, it's really been a, a great couple of weeks in, in numbers. I've really enjoyed this book. Uh, I think it's given me a fresh kind of perspective on the book of numbers. Mm. You've really made it a bit more alive. I think in the beginning you mentioned it's one of those kind of tedious mm. looking books. If you look at even at the name numbers, oh, it's all these senses and counting these people and that but there's so much there's a wealth of knowledge and and revelation for us in there so thank you for for sharing that so where are we going next time we really just gonna take a a skip on deuteronomy touch something of the heart of it and then we'll um uh, it'll won't be more than one session and then we're going to jump into joshua because we have to take the promised land man it's taken so long to get here yeah we need to get to joshua okay thank you again garth and thanks to those who've been listening trust that you've been blessed and that as you yeah feel free to share this with friends and family it's really a, a good resource to to pass around and for people to learn the scriptures in a fun and informative way so until next time bye bye Thank you.